You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Thank you for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers, and we are touching base with Dave Kranzler. He is the editor of the Mining Stock Journal. His website is investmentresearchdynamics.com. It's been about two and a half months since we spoke with Dave. So Dave, welcome on the back onto the program. And uh, you know, I'm curious, what are you gonna do with that $1,400 check that you're not qualified for? Are you gonna buy GameStop or AMC? Where are you gonna put it? I'm not gonna see it, I'm not gonna get it. So. <laughs> If I get it by mistake, I don't know what I'll do. Yeah, well, well, your your income's tied to gold and how well the gold equities are doing and how well you choose good gold equities. So let's start there. You think we're going to see it? Have we seen a gold bottom? You know, it dipped below $1,700. It's popped back above that $1,725 or so over the weekend. Is this the bottom? I, you know, I, that's a good question. Um we won't know if this is the bottom and until, you know, a few weeks from now. Right. I, I see. I think part of the problem with, with gold is the, you know, the paper gold, obviously there's a big difference between paper gold and physical gold. Um, and uh, honestly, the entities that are buying large quantities of physical gold are paying a much higher price than the price that you see on your screen. When you look at, the price you see on the screen is either the Kitco price, which is derived from the AM and PM fix, plus a formula um, that's keyed off of COMEX futures, the COMEX futures curve. Um, or you see, you know, the actual futures price. So, um, you know, so for instance, India right, right now is importing gold hand over fist. I, I don't know if I've ever seen the, the ex-duty import premiums there as high as they, they have been for the last couple of weeks. And that means that they're, they're just importing as much gold as they can every day. Um, and the net of it is when you do the calculations, they're paying about, I don't know, 150 or 200 bucks above the, the, the world, you know, spot price of gold when they're, when they're buying gold and, and the same thing in China, they're, they're paying, you know, that you, there's a premium on the, the Shanghai Gold Exchange. And so buyers over there are paying a, a higher price. And obviously, um, you know, on, on a retail basis, I just went through the, a list of three or four of the biggest coin dealers yesterday. You know, I was looking to buy some more um, gold pandas while the price was down around, you know, 1700 Every coin dealer does, is wiped out of gold pandas. Um, and um, there's a couple dealers that are wiped out of gold eagles. And then there's, there's a couple dealers that have, um, I think 2020, 2021s and 2020s, but the prices, you know, the premiums are, are, you know, 180 bucks over spot. So, um, I, I think there's a good chance that, you know, there's clearly a, a shortage of physical gold that can be delivered to buyers who want to actual possession, whether it's retail coin dealers or it's, um, countries importing physical gold like India and China and Thailand and Vietnam, et cetera. So um, I guess to circle back to um, what I started with is it's primarily the hedge funds that are trading the long side of the COMEX gold futures. 
and a, and a lot of their, you know, they, they have these, these computer algorithms that they use. So the trading happens automatically and it's, it keys off of other, other market data. So like, you know, the 10 year bond yield has jumped up quite a bit over the last few weeks. And so I think what we've seen is um, computer algos are in there selling gold futures because um, their, their algorithm tells them when, when the 10-year yield moves higher, it's bad for gold. Well, that's not true, actually. But um, in fact, we've had a big move off, off of 1700 on the April um, gold futures today. And, and that's with the 10-year yield has gapped out 10 basis points. That's a huge, that's a huge move for the 10-year. So, you know, I think, I think once the hedge funds, you know, once their net long position gets, gets liquidated enough and we may be at that point, I, I think you'll, you know, they, they won't be selling more paper gold. And so that, that should create the catalyst for, for a move higher here. And I don't know if it's going to be a sustainable move. Like, you know, are we going to go back over 2000? Certainly the fundamentals would justify that, especially with all of the the spending that Congress has now has approved the 1.9 trillion, and then you know I think they're talking about a two trillion dollar um, infrastructure stimulus bill, um, and what that means is the Fed's going to have to print a lot of money to buy the Treasury bonds that'll be funding that, because otherwise you'll see bond yields go even higher. So. Um, what I've been watching is, um, you know, if you just pull up GDX on your screen, it, it looks like there's a tradable bottom here. And I don't know, you know, you can see it's in a really nice downward sloping from left to right uh, trading channel. It, it, it certainly looks like there's a tradable bottom here. And, it, you know, at the very least, I think we could move up to the top end of that trading channel and then whether it, it pushes back above that. So, um, but today it's, and yet yesterday it closed above the 21 day moving average for the first time since early February. And it looks like it's going to close a little further above it. And, um, you know, so then, you know, if it can kind of plow through the other key moving averages that are sitting above it, and, it, and really if it can get through the 200 day moving average, which is at 37, 37, 31, GDX is at 33 right now. Um, yeah, I think we could really, that, then I think you'll really see the technical funds pile into the sector. So um, that, that's kind of what I'm watching. I started buying um, uh, for my personal account. I, I bought some near near money call options on, on Barrick and SSR Mining and Mag Silver this morning. And um, I mean, I loathe Barrick as a company, but you know, what the way that I my my rationale there for buying calls on Barrick is that if it does look like this is going to be you know a decent move, in, the big institutions who come into this sector they don't they don't buy the little you know micro cap junior stocks that you and I love to love to invest in. You know they go for Barrick, Newmont, Nico uh, Eagle, right? Exactly. So um, and so my theory is if if you know the institutions. If the sector catches a, a bid from the institutions, which I think could happen here in the next week, um, you know, Barrick's going to at least temporarily outperform some of the mid caps and, and maybe even some of the juniors just temporarily, though, because then, you know, the, the, the riskier, the riskier plays will catch up and, and outperform Barrick. So it, it was just a, you know, probably a, a one or two week play for me in terms of buying the Barrick calls. 
the the SSRM calls um, I bought further out. I bought April near money calls and same with mag. So mag silver. Dave, when you are trying to ascertain a bottom, a near-term bottom in gold or a bottom of a multi-month, uh, seven, eight month consolidation like we've experienced here, do you pay more attention to the commitment of traders report and like seeing a low net speculator long position like we saw, I believe in June of 2019? Is that more important to you or is like watching what GDX is doing in relation to the gold price, is that more important to you? to see which one is telegraphing where gold might go? You know, that's a good question. And again, I don't, I let the market, I try to let the market tell me, you know, where, where we're going next. So, um, and I, I do, I look at, as you pointed out, I do look at the commitment of traders. I don't, I don't really pay that much attention to the commitment of traders report unless we've had, you know, an extreme move down or an extreme move high, higher move up because you do have to pay attention to what the hedge fund positions are. Um, and, you know, I look at the stock charts, you know, the, for GDX and the, the Huey index. Um, and then I, you know, kind of look at, you know, what are the fundamental factors that, that really should be um, dictating what gold is doing right now. And we're seeing it. I mean, you know, all the central banks, at least in the, well, even China, all the central banks are dumping a lot more printed money into their financial systems and, and causing further devaluation of their currencies. And at some point, I think we're going to see an even larger audience of investors who turn to the precious metals. Hopefully, they'll buy physical gold and silver and not GLD or SLV. Um, and, and also to mining stocks as a as a sort of a, an anti-federal reserve monetary policy play because it's at a point you can't hide the degree to which the dollar gets devalued when they're printing money like this and we're already seeing that in much higher prices for basic commodities um you know forget what the cpi says that's that's designed to not show inflation housing prices Stock market, you know, the movements that we're seeing in the general stock market, that's 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 evidence of inflation. Um, and gasoline's going crazy now. I, I it cost me almost 60 bucks to fill up my tank yesterday, you know, whereas a couple months ago it was 40, 40 45. Yeah, exactly. And that that's that's inflation. And that's from that's not that's not necessarily the price of, of those commodities moving higher, it's the value of the dollar that pays for those commodities decreasing. Osino Resources is a Ross Beattie-backed gold exploration company in mining-friendly Namibia. Osino's district-scale land package is situated near two producing gold mines, one of which Osino's management team previously developed and sold to B2 Gold. Osino's founders and management are experienced mining professionals who have already successfully developed and sold two companies in the past seven years. Osino has a tight share structure, and with its current treasury, it can self-fund the advancement of its gold discovery into at least 2022. This is an exploration company with drills turning that you'll definitely want to pay attention to. Osino trades in New York under the ticker O-S-I-I-F and in Toronto under the ticker O-S-I. To learn more, go to OsinoResources.com. That's OsinoResources.com. Do you agree with those that say the powers that be only care about inflation when it's affecting wages? I mean, we're seeing wage inflation too, to tell you the truth, but um I think the powers that be don't care about inflation, period, because if you're going to print money the way they're printing money, 
to hold the system up. Let's face it, if the Fed stopped printing money, markets would collapse. The housing market would collapse, you know, and it's it's going to happen eventually anyway, because at some point, you know, the, that extra marginal dollar that's printed isn't going to have any value. And and they so they and, you know, this isn't, you know, my thinking on this. This is, uh, you know, Ludwig von Mises talked about this. You know, you get to a point where if you're if you're printing money to hold up your system, and I, I like to use Weimar Germany as, you know, what happened with Weimar Germany as, as the poster child for it. Um, you have to keep printing more and more money and issuing more and more debt in order to have the same economic impact on the system. And eventually you get to a point where um, the printed money doesn't do anything. And I think we're, you know, it's one of these things that happens slowly, then suddenly. I mean, um, in Weimar, Germany, the, the money printing kept increasing. I think it started in 1913 or 1914 until the mark collapsed in 1920, November of 1923. And, you know, no one knows what, you know, when we'll reach that point. But I would argue that the volatility that we're seeing in the markets and um, the inability of the the powers that be to push the price of gold and silver even lower than they've already pushed it is evidence that we're getting closer to that point. One of the companies that you and I both follow is First Majestic Silver, and they were in the news on Friday. They announced the acquisition of the Jarrett Canyon mine, gold silver mine in Nevada, deviating from the many year history of only pursuing predominantly silver projects in Mexico. Uh, what do you think about this acquisition and the new strategy here? I, I mean, I'm, I'm in full support of it. I don't, I don't have a problem with First Majestic diversifying its asset base, but as I'm, you know, reading through the details of this transaction, they didn't pay $470 million in shares plus 5 million in warrants that they gave to Eric Sprott for, for a gold mine that produces 112,000 ounces or produced 112,000 ounces last year. Um, they also acquired a, a, a roaster. And it's one of three permitted roasters in Nevada. And um, I've been told that it's unlikely that another roaster will, will ever be allowed in Nevada. You know, they, Nevada wouldn't issue the environmental permits. And besides, they cost over a billion to build. So um, that's, that's where I see the real value in this transaction. And that's, you know, there's, there's a, I know a mining company executive who won't touch Carlin projects because, you know, you can you can you can develop uh, you know a, a project that has a great resource, but if a large portion of it is sulfide ore, you have to have it roasted. And these roasters, what I've been told, is they're pretty much operating at full capacity. So if you're bringing if you're bringing sulfide ore online in Nevada as a junior, you you're probably going to have to wait a long time to get it processed. But that's that's what I see is the real value in that. I mean, the mine also. I mean. The, the processing plant is 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 uh, permitted for up to 4,500 tons per day, and it's currently operating at 2,200 tons per day. Um, so I'm sure First Majestic is looking at this, and they're saying, hey, we can get in there. You know, it's got a huge property package that's been largely unexplored. And they're looking at this, and they're saying, hey, you know, I bet you we, and because it, it's a private company, I have no idea how big the resource is or, or what the, the grading is of the resource. 
Um, but, you know, I'm sure First Majestic obviously knows. And um, I'm sure they're looking at this saying, hey, we can we can double the production here. We can expand the the, the resource of this mine. And we, we have the roaster. <laughs> so from a branding perspective, First Majestic always said, you know, we are the go-to silver company. Even other companies that have silver in the name, silver is actually a smaller percentage of their production. So we're seeing this trend where America Silver, which is now America Silver and Gold, they acquire gold projects in addition to silver projects, SSR mining. You know, is there going to be any pure silver miners left out there? It seems like a trend where it's harder and harder to be just a pure silver miner. You know, core core mining also has has diversified into gold. So, and honestly, I you know, uh, SSR mining, I, I follow that one. I like it much better than Pan American Silver. And, um, it, you know, its stock performs about the same as Pan American does when the, when the market's moving higher. So I, I don't think their diversification into, into gold assets, they just, they just uh, acquired Alice or Gold. Um, I, I don't think that's hurt their stock price um, because they're not a pure silver miner. A lot, of the, a lot of the silver, you know, junior silvers that are being advanced down in Mexico, they're not pure silver either. You know, they... There's a couple projects that I look at and they build themselves as silver companies and their contained silver is 30%. And the rest of it's like, you know, lead and lead and zinc and maybe a little bit of gold or maybe a little bit of copper. So um, this idea of a, of a pure silver miner, I, I think is, is really more of like a, a, a market, a market myth than reality. I mean, yeah, there's some pure silver miners out there, but um, I think this is a great move by First Majestic. And like I said, you know, what, what they're acquiring is it looks to me like they paid 470 million in shares. It looks like, you know, they're, they're getting, there's some serious value in this, in this acquisition that can be unlocked. So Dave Copper, it's 413 in previous episodes. When we've talked, you have been bearish on Copper. Is your sentiment <laughs> changing towards Copper at all? Seems like I kind of have to change my sentiment, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed Copper Bear is starting to like Copper Gold projects, at least, right? At bare minimum. <laughs> well, I mean, the only reason I was bearish on Copper is that it's it's not a monetary metal; it's an industrial metal. Um, obviously, you know, I'm I'm aware of the supply demand uh, characteristics of the market right now, but I just I thought that. I guess I didn't foresee the amount of money printing that's occurred over the last 12 to 18 months. I mean, really, the Fed started printing money in September of 2019, a lot of money. And um, so in my view, what's moved copper is, is the uh, price inflation that you get from fiat currency devaluation from money printing. That's one one thing, and then the other thing is, I know last summer China had announced they they were buying a, a boatloads of copper and just they were stockpiling basic commodities, industrial commodities and metals and things like that. And I'm sure the reason they were doing that was to convert their dollar holdings into actual resources that they know they're going to need down the road anyway. And I think the market got a push from that. I mean, I think if if Central banks hadn't printed any money. I don't think copper would be where it is right now. 
But, um, you know, I, I kind of underestimated the inflation trade aspect of it. And I think that's what we're seeing with copper. Is it going to go a lot higher? I don't know. Is it, you know, is it going to go back down? Probably not because the central banks are, you know, keep printing money. Um, and I'm sure China is just, they're converting the fiat currencies and their reserves into real assets as quickly as they can. They're smart about that. Um, but the, you know, the interesting thing about copper is copper mining companies that were profitable at 280 copper. I mean, they're home runs now, right? Yeah. And so um, I just saw, I mean, I've covered a, a copper junior Excelsior mining. They've got a in situ processing copper mine down in, in uh, Arizona that they just, they, they're bringing it online now. And they've they've had some some bottlenecks and some problems that they've spent the last several months fixing and tweaking. And um, I, I think this stock, if you think copper is going to at least stay where it is, and if these guys can execute their game plan the way they laid it out yesterday in the presentation I saw, um, I, I think Excelsior Mining is probably you know decent value here. I'm not buying it yet. I want to see, you know, another couple quarters of, of um, you know, their operations ramping up, see how smoothly it goes. Um, but this, it, it, I mean, even at, you know, $2 copper, it was producing positive free cash flow for the life of the mine, a lot of it. And so, you know, at four plus copper, things going to be a home run. Dave, before you go, any picks from your recent uh, journal you can share with us? Sure. Um, you know, as you know, I, I really like to, um, you know, keep a lot of my, especially my newer ideas, proprietary to my subscribers. Um, but some of them I've been um, following for quite some time and recommending them in my newsletter for quite some time. And so I consider them seasoned. Um, there's actually one that is a more recent idea that, uh, I mean, I think I've introduced the idea in the early February issue. So my subscribers have had enough time to buy it if they want to buy it. And the price is certainly lower than the average price that I, I have it in my fund. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, obviously the market's backed off a lot, but it's a company called Heliostar. I don't know if you've looked at it. I've heard the name, but I don't know anything about the company. Yeah. So the, a guy by the name of Charles Funk is, is running it. And he was formerly the VP of um, the the VP of geology for Visla Silver, so he helped get Visla going, and he's still on the board of Visla. But this opportunity came up, and he jumped on it. And that what it is is they've got a it's it's actually a, a historically producing gold mine up in Alaska, and um, it you know I think it stopped producing maybe in the early eighties when the price of gold came down. I forget the details on the background of it, but it's got a 384,000 ounce existing resource. And I can't, I can't remember if he needs to, I think he may, I don't know if it's compliant or not. You know, I don't know if it's compliant with 43101 standards, but you know, it's, it's there and it's very high grade gold. And um, he thinks that ultimately the, the property, he, he thinks that he can, he can um, create a one to two million ounce resource in which if that's the case, that happens, this thing's a freaking home run. Um, there's 34 
million shares, fully diluted, outstanding. Insiders own a large portion of it. So the stock's not real liquid. HSTFX is what it, they just listed on the OTC QX market. So it's a little more liquid. They're also listed on the venture HSTR. Um, but in addition to this, and this project on its own, I think is a no-brainer. I mean, honestly, I think I recall him saying this. If they wanted to, they could probably process and mine the existing resource. Um, and where they're situated, they won't have any trouble um, getting permits and everything. And it's not, it's not another pebble type project. So um, <laughs> that's crucial. Even in Alaska, you need to verify those things, right? Right. Exactly. Right. I look. I. I told people to stay away from that stock in 2016. I'm like 2017. I was like, they're not, I'm sorry. They're, I just don't think they're ever going to get approved for that. Dave, people even after Trump, the sell-off people bought it, it was like it shot. People thought Trump would, would push it through. And he actually came out during the, 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 the campaigning during the election said he wasn't going, he would not ever approve it as has Biden. So, um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. The other thing they have is they've got three interesting silver assets down in Sonora, Mexico. And one of them just happens to be adjacent to a property that Silvercrest Metals recently acquired and is going to start drilling. And this thing is on the same mineralized trend as that property. And I think the thinking is, is they'll they'll stick some, some drill holes in it and see what see what's underneath the soil, underneath the surface. And I think ultimately it could be something that Silvercrest Metals might want to acquire from them. But and then they've got two other um, highly prospective silver projects down there. So that that's Heliostar. I mean, it's been as high as a dollar thirty since I've owned it, and I think it's I think it's down around eighty three cents right now. So you're talking about twenty twenty four twenty five million dollar market cap. And honestly, I think if if um, if Mr. Funk can advance the gold project, the UNGA project up in Alaska, the way he envisions, I mean, this is a $150, 200000000 million stock just on that. Dave, on that note, where they have projects in Mexico that they're working on, and they also have projects in Alaska, how do you feel about junior miners when they're spreading themselves you know, out geographically versus one that may have multiple projects, but it's in a, you know, a, a region and in closer proximity. Do you, do you, how do you factor that into your analysis of these companies, these small companies? Well, they're, I mean, their priority right now is the younger project up in Alaska. So, but they, they can still, you know, they, they, they have, you know, a team of geologists and they can still start doing preliminary exploration activity on the projects down in Mexico. I don't have a problem with it. And, uh, you know, um, I spent about two hours on a, on a, zoom video call with with charles funk and um i mean he's i think he smells a home run with this with this unga asset so um and you know the thing is i mean a, a junior has more than just one project and they have some other highly prospective projects that are maybe down the road or preliminarily being advanced not spending a lot of money on it um that just adds optionality upside to to the stock right and it diversifies the the, the um, project development risk. Yeah, as long as they're not diverting their focus and it's not too high of a carry cost, I would add. Right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, these aren't these don't cost a lot to carry. It's yeah, yeah. and um, so another one that I that I like, 
And I actually added a new feature to my newsletter. It's, it's called, um, called Large Cap Corner. And so, and the idea there is a lot of my subscribers, you know, wanted, they've always, a lot of them ask me about what I think about certain large caps, even though I'd rather focus on juniors, the home run ideas. And um, I've always used the large caps as kind of a, a, a trading place. So if you get a big sell off in the sector, um, I'll, I'll buy at the money or in the money or even out of the money call options on large cap mining companies on the ones that the large cap mining companies that I trust and, um, you know, ride it out for three or four weeks. If we get a bounce in the market, those, those, call, those call options can turn on, you know, um, throw off some great performance, you know, oftentimes better performance than just sitting in junior mining stocks all the time. So, um, I, I added that, you know, you know, it's a small section, but, um, I throw out ideas for, um, you know, trading plays for large caps that I, that I think have been sold off unnecessarily, which happens to Agnico Eagle all the time, whenever they release earnings and they disappoint the market and it gets hammered. And then, it, you know, two months later, it's back to where it was, um, you know, ideas like that. So SSR mining, speaking of SSR mining, that was, that was the one that I featured last week. And that, that stock has underperformed its peers. And I think that's because I, the Alistair shareholders, they received a lot of uh, SSR shares in the, in the deal. And they were selling it. They've been selling it. So I think, I think that selling's exhausted. And I think um, SSR will bounce back relative to like Pan American Silver or Core or HL. And I, you know, I throw out some options ideas in that section. Um, another one that I like that is, is just now starting to ramp up um, their production is Alexco, you know, Alexco. Yep. The Kino Hill, yeah. The Keno Hill mine and um, up in Alaska and uh, that stock, I think when I looked at it earlier, it was like around 240. Um, and I think that one is, is a good uh, bounce back play, you know, and it's, it's uh, <laughs> silver that they're that's in their resources, ridiculously high grade for her you know, a non-Mexico super high grade mine. It's, you know, they got, I think the resource average is 800 grams per ton of silver. And um, they've got 90% of their property has not been explored. So the exploration upside is incredible. Um, and I actually just did a write-up on that for the issue that's coming out on uh, Thursday. So I don't want to share the details and the, and the relative value comparisons I made on it, but um, that's one that I like. Um, Silver Viper, you're familiar with that one, right? I'm not. No, I don't know it that closely. Actually. Oh, okay. So they've got um, a project. Stocks up to 50 cents now. They've got a, it's a silver project, silver gold. You know, there's some base metals, but it's a lot of contained silver and gold in the resource or in the mineralization. They don't have a. They're going to put out a maiden resource at the end of this month or by the end of this month. Um, they've got the La Virginia project, which was originally. Honest, I think it originally might have been a Pan American project. Can't remember. Anyway, that's that's not important. But um, they uh, they sunk a, a drill hole in one of their targets called the El Ruby target, and I mean it was like ridiculously high grade, and it, it caught the attention. The CEO said it caught the attention of a lot of uh, large potential strategic partners, and they just they've had. Just over the last couple of weeks, 
they um, have released more drill results from this area where they had this discovery hole and it's showing more of the same. And um, the group of people that are Belcaro that are developing it, they're, they're developing this and they're upfront about, Hey, you know, we take on projects that we think we can show are large enough. That'll attract a strategic buyer or a strategic partner. And that's what their goal is. And that's what they're doing. And they've made their shareholders over the years, a lot of money. And um, you know, this one, I mean, I wish I had looked at it when the stock was trading under 20 cents, but you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, it was like a great bear. I mean, I ignored great bear all the way from 30 cents to $3. And when I looked at it at $3, I'm like, holy crap, this thing's a 12 or $13 stock. And so, so I recommend it in my newsletter at three, $3.20. So um, just because a stock has, has doubled, you know, especially a, a junior development stock, that doesn't mean it can't, it can't go a lot higher especially if, if they're sitting on a project that looks like it's going to be a home run too early to tell on this, in my opinion, but um, we own it. And I've been recommending it my newsletter for, for several months now. Excellent. Well, Dave, thanks for sharing that. And your website is investmentresearchdynamics.com. Before you go, anything new over there? Oh, my web guy's redesigning it. So <laughs> I'm excited to see what it'll look like. You know, I just wanted to mention one other one because you sure. you brought up copper and that's yeah. that's Brixton Metals. Okay. And they've got they've got four projects, each one of each one of which could be a company maker. Um the, the one that's probably the most immediate one that could that could, you know, create a five bagger in this stock is their Hog Heaven project. It's a silver. It's a silver project in Montana, and it has a historical resource on it that's non-compliant. But they entered into a deal with uh, a company called HPX that's run by Steve Friedland. You've heard of him, I'm sure. Yes. Mine, a rock star in the mining business. Is that, isn't that a private company or is it public now? It's a private company, yeah. And they they signed a deal whereby they can, they can uh, earn, I think, up to 80% or 75% of the project by spending, I think, 44 million. And um, at the same time, Friedland invested 2 million of his own money in Brixton Metal stock. And they've, I mean, they hit the ground running on this thing. They started, they started uh, doing preliminary exploration work on it in January, like before the deal was even signed you know, the agreement was actually legally binding. They started doing work on it. And uh, the CEO of, of Brixton, um, Gary Thompson, told me that uh, they think, the Friedland Group thinks that there's potentially a massive silver copper porphyry sitting beneath what was the existing kind of the resource area. They think there's it's somewhere to be found on the property. And so this could be a potential home run. They've got a silver cobalt project in um, Quebec that, I mean, the grades, the silver grades they've been releasing from drill results are just insane. And then they've got two copper gold porphyry projects up in uh, British Columbia. And any, any one of those projects on its own could be a company maker. The stock, I don't know why the stock has never really gotten a lot of traction. I mean, it's been as high as the low 30s and that that happened when Eric Sprott took a big stake in it. I think he owns 15% of the equity now, something like that. 
Um, but it's trading around 20 cents and it's, you know, so it's a $40 million market cap, which in and of itself is good for a company that doesn't have a resource out on, on any of its projects yet. But um, like I said, I mean, just this hog heaven project alone probably, you know, has the potential to, to um, you know, make the stock a five bagger. So, um, and I think that, you know, they're just, they don't focus on marketing. They're, you know, you never see marketing hype about them. So, um, I think that's part of why the stock lags, but it's going to be one of these ones that one day you wake up and all of a sudden it went from 20 cents to 40 cents. Excellent. Well, Dave, thank you for sharing those insights. To learn more about Dave's service, go to investmentresearchdynamics.com. And Dave is also a weekly blogger, so you can get his thoughts also on the macroeconomic situation and precious metals. Wait, Thanks is that... Is that weekly? W-E-A-K-L-Y? <laughs> Double E, <laughs> unless you want to change it to an A. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me on again, Bill. It's been great. Yep. Thanks, Dave. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty dollars or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.